Hi, this is Buff, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you'll better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we're living out our ancient faith in modern times and believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Continuing today in our series on fear, and if you haven't heard last week's sermon about the ten types of fear that we experience and encounter in our daily life, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to it. It's helpful. As today, I want to build on that message looking specifically at these ideas of worry and anxiety. And I want to do so by first telling you a story. About a month ago, I came face to face with a fear that I didn't know I had. Now, just a little bit of background. Um, I like to hike. I like to do some backpacking. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I have a, a trip upcoming that I plan with some guys, and one of the guys that I was I'm going with has convinced me that instead of sleeping in a tent this time, he thinks that I should, he he thought that I should, uh, we should all sleep in hammocks. Get rid of the tent, sleep in a hammock. Now, one of the uh, most important issues in backpacking is weight because your backpack gets heavier and heavier every mile you go. And so the idea of dropping some of the tent weight seemed like a good one to me, but I thought, you know what, I need to test this. Hammock is, of course, curved and might be a terrible night's sleep. I had never used it like that before. So I didn't want to discover that I hated it, couldn't sleep in it while I was out on the, uh, the trail. So I picked a night a couple weeks back that was in the low 30s. And I set up the hammock and a tarp <coughs> with my uh, sleeping bag in it in the backyard of the rectory. I set it up, and then I drove off to Orlando for an ordination service that I had to go to. I got home about 11 o'clock that night. I went in the house. I changed my clothes, gave Marissa a kiss goodnight, and then headed outside into my backyard and got in the hammock. Now, at this point, you're wondering that I'm a nerd. The answer is obviously yes. I'm a giant nerd. But I snuggled down in my mummy's sleeping bag, and I pulled my stocking cap nice and tight over my uh, head, and within a couple seconds, I was fast asleep. Not a problem at all. It had been a long day. It was nice and cold outside, so sleep came quickly. I was warm, and I was secure. This seemed no problem at all. Until about 1.30 in the morning, when I woke up in an absolute panic, absolutely terrified Because what I felt like was that my mummy's sleeping bag was so constricting, so confining, that I was going to die. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my legs. In fact, I was so panicked that I literally crawled out of the little face hole. I didn't even bother to unzip it. I just crawled out like a little bug. Because I was sure that this bag was going to kill me. So there I sat in my hammock in this bag, halfway out, desperately trying to regain my composure. 
I began to talk to myself. It's okay, Jonathan. You're in your backyard. You're 10 feet from your back door. Whatever you're afraid of is not going to happen. Just get back in the sleeping bag and go to sleep. But I couldn't do it. No matter what I said, no matter what I did, I could not make myself get back in the bag. And after 20 minutes of arguing with myself, yes, I'm crazy, I got out of the hammock and just went inside the house. But I was so rattled by this panic attack, I was so upset by what had just happened, I went inside and I woke up Marissa. Because <laughs> I needed to process what had just occurred. Of course, she's sound asleep. It's 1.30. Well, now it's almost 2 in the morning. And so she was startled to death as I burst into our bedroom. I'm like, Marissa, wake up. i got to talk to you right now. And she was super concerned because she thought something had happened, something bad had gone on, or she didn't know what was wrong because, of course, she had been sleeping. And when I got to the part about my sleeping bag trying to kill me, (laughs) she became less sympathetic (laughs) to my overwhelming anxiety. I did eventually get back to sleep. But in the morning when I woke up, that feeling was so real to me. I had never experienced a panic attack like that before. So Marissa said to me, look, she knows me pretty well. And she said, look, why don't you go do some research about this? If you do a little research, (coughs) there's a solution out there somewhere for you. And I didn't even know where to begin. I mean, what do you type into the Google search bar on an issue like this? Lunatic losing his mind in the backyard? I mean, what, what am I supposed to search for on this? What results are going to come up? But I started digging around, and I found this company in New Hampshire who makes this sleeping bag that was different than anything else I'd ever seen. They're called Nemo. And because I was so freaked out, so weirded out by what had happened the night before, I said, you know what? I need to call them. So I called Nemo, and I got a customer service rep on the phone, and as soon as I got this guy on the phone. I just began to blurt out the story about what happened the night before, telling him all the details. And I, when I got to the part about me almost dying in the sleeping bag, he interrupted me. He said, oh, I know what you're talking about. We all do. As a matter of fact, that's why we invented this sleeping bag. We all hate the mummy bag. It's almost killed us too. <laughs> he understood me. Suddenly, I was a little less afraid. There was a whole group of people in New Hampshire who were just as freaked out as me, and I felt very good about that. But of course, that wasn't enough. Where do I get this bag? I had called the manufacturer, and they couldn't sell me a bag direct, so I call another company, a company called REI, and I uh, get another customer service rep on the phone. I tell her the whole story again. I'm going through the story because I love it. It's so important to me. And I get to my part in the story about how the bag's trying to kill me. And she stops me and she says, oh, wait, you want a Nemo bag, don't you? Yes, I do. How'd you know that? She's like, I had the same experience. And I just thanked Jesus that these two customer service reps had been sent for me to save me from these killer bags. Now, there are lots of points that we can make from my story, but the one that I like the most to understand from this is really a quote that I read this week from Sir Francis Bacon where he said, there is a limit to pain, but there is no limit to fear. That's true. There's a limit to pain, but there is no limit to our fears. And if you've experienced panic, if you've experienced a consuming fear, then you know what that means. 
Once it gets control of our thoughts, there's no stopping it or the worry or the anxiety that comes along with it. In fact, fear, worry, anxiety, they're like three amigos who camp out together, apparently in my backyard, the scariest place I've ever been. So let's talk about these, particularly in light of our gospel today, Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the dead of night. And the first thing I want to note about worry and anxiety is that they live in the future. Worry and anxiety live in the future. Of course, our stories include a past and a present and a future, and fear can span all three of those segments, but its preferred time zone is in the future. Dread, panic, nervousness, worry, anxiety all speak to potential future vulnerability. Our our imaginations take over and invent something that doesn't exist presently, but with enough imagination, it could happen. And suddenly, we're afraid. Nicodemus shows up at night because he's afraid of what might happen if someone sees him. What might happen if he loses some prestige? What might happen if he loses some influence? His fears of the might of his future have so captured his heart that he's sneaking in to see Jesus, afraid of the light of day. Second, anxiety sees the future in minute, gory detail. Warriors like Nicodemus are visionaries, just minus the optimism. They are people who hear the doctor pronouncing the dire diagnosis before they've even gone in for a routine physical. Warriors are people who can see the twisted metal of their imagined car accident. They can see the course of their life changed by a failed biology test, even though they've never taken biology. They freak out in their backyard because what if they can't get out of a sleeping bag? Minute, gory details are what worriers love. But thirdly, worriers are false prophets. Here's the thing. All the things that we worry about, they can all happen. It's impossible to prove worry or anxiety wrong because there's a veneer of reasonableness to all of it. Aliens could invade. A meteorite could hit grace right now and destroy us and the earth. And none of you can prove otherwise. But where worry and anxiety always break down is in their success rate. They're always wrong in their specifics. They think the worst is about to happen tomorrow, but then it doesn't. And the real tragic part is that when the prophecies don't come to pass, worriers don't learn from them. They just move on to some new fears about the next day because there's always more to fret about. And you know what the Bible suggests we do with false prophets? It says they are to be banned from ever making future predictions. They're out of the game. You get one prophecy wrong, you're done. Warriors get them wrong all the time, and yet they continue on. Nope. 
Kick him out. It's why Nicodemus was so careful as he's talking to Jesus here. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a good teacher who's come from God, for no one can do these signs apart from God. Now, if he knew that, if he really believed that, (coughs) why all the secrecy? Why come at night? Why not just talk about this openly when everybody else is around? The reason why is because he's a worrier who's always, or he's already convinced himself there's just too much at risk here. What he doesn't realize is that he hasn't risked anything at all. Because if you want to risk something, Jesus says, you need to be born again. You need to be forever changed. Nicodemus, as a warrior, is a false prophet. And so are many of us. Fourth, warriors are immune to reason. When I came back into the house after my panic attack, Marissa very patiently tried to talk me off the ledge. She wanted to help. She wanted me to feel safe. She wanted me to know that it was over. But it didn't work. Didn't matter what she said. So she did the only thing that made sense. She went back to sleep. (laughs) Why? Because warriors don't listen to reason. It takes something more powerful than logic and reasonable conversations to assuage our fears and anxieties. And so if you want to love a warrior, don't give in to their fears. Ignore the fears. Don't ignore them, but ignore those fears. Don't pretend that they're real. They're false. To which Nicodemus says, wait, what? You want me to go back in my mother's womb? And Jesus says, you're not listening, Nicodemus. God loves you so much that he sent me that you wouldn't die but have eternal life. And Nicodemus is like, my mother's womb? He didn't get it. He gets stuck. He's not listening to reason. He's just worrying about whatever might come next. But eventually he does. Where does anxiety really take us? Well, here's the root. Here's what I want you to hear today. Here's what I want you to tell yourself if you're a warrior or to tell the warriors in your life. Worry is looking for control. And we think that if we imagine the worst that could happen... Well, then we're ready for it. Then we know what to do next. We'll be in control, but it doesn't work. It never does. Because what we've worried about, in fact, never happens. Besides, what we're really afraid of is that there's no one who can help us. That there's no one to rescue us. That there's no one looking out for us. That we're an orphan in a chaotic universe that operates according to chance. That was Nicodemus's secret fear. And Jesus addresses it head on. God did not send me to condemn the world, but to save it through me, he says. When we worry, we put the focus on ourselves. We indulge in self-pity. And if we can get enough people to listen... We will worry even louder. But when it's stripped down, worry and anxiety are not so complex forms of selfishness. Our human attempt at doing life without God. And when we unmask them, 
We simply see fear's best pals as what they are. Empty, alone, sad. But there is a God who both hears and cares. Don't be afraid, he says. Over and over and again in scripture, he says, exchange your fear for what I want to give you, more of me. Fear wants to be your boss. It's this incredibly strong emotion. It wants authority. It tells us how it thinks life is, and it's not so easily persuaded. So here's what I want you to do. Allow fear to point you to the areas that you are lacking and the areas that you have need. But then once you see where it's pointing at, set off in that direction to find a solution. Don't just stay there. If fear and worry and anxiety are personal matters, then let's find the person who knows the answers. And that's what Jesus is giving to Nicodemus. More than just a response, Jesus is offering a permanent solution, a solution that in fact exists to this very day. A son that wants to walk and talk with us, even in our fear-infested backyards. I want you to know that I'm taking a hard look at myself here. That instead of letting my circumstances control my worries, I'm asking, in whom will I trust? I know that there are times that I've been a false prophet when I have allowed worry to tell me what it wants me to hear and that logic and reason haven't resisted it. So with me, I want you to face the reality that we have to go outside ourselves and to the only one who has the answer. God, of course, who is in control, telling us to be born yet again, set free from all fear, from all worry, and from all anxiety. Amen. We're so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you'll take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace. 